Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. Saberfrog about their arcade suit em up, or should I say, collect em up, shudder. But before we delve into that, let's chat about Kane and Rince and the other podcasts it has under its umbrella. On Monday, of course, we have the signature podcast, Kane and Rince itself. This week, it was covering Nia Automata. So if you haven't downloaded it already, or listened to it already, then do so, because it's awesome. And on Wednesday, we have Sound of Play. That's where we celebrate video game music from all the eras and all genres. Although I don't think we cover the Toy 2600. Hey, so we don't do that. Then we have on Thursday, Playwright. That's a wonderful little show with two Ryans, two people called Ryan, creating games on the fly. Just basically shooting the breeze, creating a game based on feedback they got from listeners or to some ideas they got for themselves. It's fantastic. Do check it out. And Friday, of course, it's the Sausage Factory. And you're listening to that right now. So you probably know that already. Yay! If you want to know more about what we produce under the Cana Rinse umbrella, which is including blogs and an active forum, I know, um, you can go to canarinse.com. It's all one word, canarinse.com. And it'll take you straight to an incredibly well-designed and beautiful website. And yeah, just take a look at what we produce. We also produce videos and we also have a bit of a fledgling Twitch stream. I'm starting to create content for it. I'm doing personally doing a weekly stream every Sunday night at 8pm GMT stroke BST, depending on what time of year it is. And uh, for an hour, playing a random game that, you know, I kind of like. I did Interstate 76 a couple of weeks back. It was great on my my Windows 98 PC, so that was fun. So if you want to see more of that, just check that out. Now, if you really, really like our stuff, then you can support us via Patreon. That's right. You can chuck us a, a, a dollar a month, just a dollar, a US dollar a month, which is about 70-odd pence in, in, in UK currently. That is until the end of March when things will probably go very, very south. But anyway, up at the moment, it's about 75p. And, uh, yeah, you can just... Chuck us that money and you get extra content. That's right, you get extended editions of Kane and Rinse and you get exclusive uh, monthly podcasts 
from the, the founders of Canaanites, Jay and Leon. So you know, who would want to listen to that stuff? It's awesome. So yes, tuck in some money and uh, just minimum $1 a month and you get access to that stuff. So yay, do that. Well, that's enough from me. How about listening to my past self, yeah? Let's do that. Take it away past me. Adrian, who are you and what do you do? Okay, uh, my name is Adrian Mills. I, uh, I'm i a program leader on two games design courses at the uh, Grimsby Institute uh, for game art and game development, so art and code. Um, alongside that, uh, I like to consider myself as uh, a, a sort of an indie game developer who's you know, starting out and trying to make games that I find both interesting myself and hope others will find interesting too. So that's kind of me. Yeah, and we're here to talk about Shudder, but we'll do that later. Mm-hmm. But it's, uh, wow. I mean, I just stumbled upon it on on Twitter, as one does. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that, that dragged me away from, made me quite distracted from, from other things. So thanks for that. That's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, um, but before we do delve into that, let's dig in a bit about you, Adrian. Okay. How did you make your start making flashy, lighty video games? <laughs> um to be fair um quite late i, right. I so i'm i'm uh, I, I started teaching about five years ago um sort of right person right place right time um and before then i was a i was the other side i was the savvy into, i was the savvy game player Ooh. um so that's where i was coming from i dabbled a bit in my younger days when i was uh, with like commodore 64s and things like that Played around with some old engines on that, like shoot 'em up construction kit, and was sort of part of did some demos and stuff with my friends and things like that. But then sort of kind of dropped out of gaming for a little while, which um, uh, you know you grew up. I was in my teens. I, I bought a guitar, played in a band, things like that, um, and then just went through life sort of thing. And then a few years back, uh, like I said, five years, uh, my friend who was teaching said what well, this vacancy for a games teacher would you be interested in applying i was like yeah okay and I, I got the position and then from that point on i figured well if i'm actually teaching video games i better actually have some kind of discipline in it so i started to teach myself to code um and that's where the game development started so i've just been going from there really what um, what code was it what sort of software were you it's, using it- uh, i started uh, the first thing i picked up I'd, I'd messed around with some engines before so i'd messed around with unreal 3 um, I'd rest around with uh, Hammer uh, for Source, but never really sort of done much with them, just sort of made some basic levels and ran around them and thought, that's nice. Um, then I picked up uh, Corona and, and Lewis script. So I started mucking around with that and started making some sort of basic, sort of simple sort of 2D style games in that. And I found it just a bit limiting. It was like, it was, it's okay. It's okay for what it was. Um, but then I quickly shifted up and into Unity, and that's pretty much what I work in now. So is it that mixed with C Sharp, or is it just... Yeah, okay. yeah Unity and C Sharp, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking personally, I only know um, I see, uh, C++. Um, okay. That's all I know programming language-wise. I've never made a game. I should do that, considering how long this show's been going. <laughs> Um, probably got enough information in my head that I probably could make one. I don't know. It's um, it's, it's hard. That's what I found. Yes, it is very difficult. But mm-hmm. and also the last ten percent of actually completing a game, you and I know, is is really really hard. Um, yeah, because you just start to the point where like, come on, we've got to do the menu. I don't want to do the menu. <laughs> can't oh, they just the... run a script? No, they can't. Yes, the, the menu. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite late. Then you, you, you I mean, high-level yeah. languages, clearly, you didn't delve into the realms of assembly. No, no I didn't. I mean, I, I, I looked around, I mean, back in... When, you know, when pre-teenage, you know, 16, 15, 16, 17-year-old, I was playing around with a little bit of assembler on the on the C64. Um, that was, you know, that was back in the sort of late 80s. Um, but then, no, I never I never really got into it after that sort of thing. My life took me down sort of different paths. And it was only, you know, by chance, really, that I got back into it. I'd, I'd always, but I got back into video games and played them, and I loved them. That's really what won me the job, was, I, you know, big old knowledge of video games in for a small college and they were like oh you're, you're great and you can teach i was like okay i'll do um and so that kind of won me that but I th- it was just a case of i'm going to learn something because i'm never going to have this opportunity again and i want to make um, you know i want to make games and um that's you know been a few years going and uh, I, I did some smaller projects i've done some i've reached a couple released a couple on on itch there's a couple of little projects one not on there anymore but it's a couple on android just to sort of get my hand in and just doing things um i made a really rubbish flappy bird clone as the first project, just to see what it was like, to see how easy it was. Um, and so I did that. We did another one called, what was it called? Uh, Don't Drink the Orange Aid, which was a rhythm action cult suicide simulator, um, which was interesting. We did that at Game Jam. And so we've done, I've done those kind of things, but it was Shudder that was the first one that I thought, actually, now I'm going to make this full proper game and get it out and released. And, and that was where the drive came from, which, you know, alongside full-time teaching was, you know, Took its took its toll in areas, but I got there in the end. But surely to teach you then learn, which yes. is a very trite thing to say, but I can really vouch for it. It does actually, you know, if you ever teach something complex, you then have to delve into it more than you would have normally done. Uh, exactly, you, you just get by when you're just doing it yourself. But when you're teaching others and they ask you weird questions like, "But why is it made out of cheese?" Like, ah, well. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah. I, I, I kind of first started on the theory side of things. They brought me in, and I was doing all the theory side of things, and I wanted to get more um, deeper into um, the you know the nuts and bolts of making games. I, I was sort of covering them and helping them out, sort of thing. But from a purely theoretical point of view, of going like, no, that's really bad game design. What are you thinking? Um, and things like that. But then I was like, I actually want to be more under the hood and, and, and getting into that nuts and bolts of making games. And I thought, well, the best way to do this is to do it myself. Um, and rather than just sort of, and so the more I learned, the more I could feedback students and the more they were doing, the more I learned. And it's, it's just become a cyclical, quite you know, a really enjoyable thing. So, you know, I, I thoroughly enjoy my teaching. I, I wouldn't change that for the world. Um, and, and I thoroughly enjoy making games alongside it. So I'm kind of in a, in a good place right now. Absolutely. And uh, you also have a vast army of playtesters. Well, yes, yes, I do. I have to keep that kind of a bit under the uh, under the radar, though, sort of thing. So that of the, course, so because there's all so, sorts of ethic problems going on. Yes, there, exactly, sort of thing. So no, my my you know, my students never test the game. Never. I, no, I'm saying, I've oh. said that. There you go. That's on the record. That's on record. Yeah, I suddenly realised as I was saying that, like, oh wait, no, Chris, ethics. <laughs> never mind. I tried, um, but uh, you can have critics though. They can be critics. There you they go. can. Works. I mean. To be to be fair, with with Shudder, um, the artist was one of my level six students, so 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 I you know he was working at level six and I was midway through making the game and I'd got it to a point where it was working and it was prototyped. But one thing one thing I'm not and the one thing I can't teach myself is I'm a very 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 bad artist. 
um, and he was pretty he's good. I mean, you've seen the visuals in Shudder, so he and I was like approached him and I said, "Do you fancy doing this? This is something will be off the you know it's it's not to do with your course, but it'll build your portfolio, and obviously you know monetarily sort of thing we'll split it and everything like that." So I made it all official and everything like that, and, and he was like, "Yeah, okay, let's do it." So I loved all the sort of visual design. That was all. That was all Josh. And it's wonderful that you didn't do the. We get paid in exposure. No, no. Oh, I was I was upfront about that from the very start. I mean, it was a case of look. This is you know it's it's. I said this is this will be the split. This will be this is what it'll be. And he was like, yeah, it's cool. And, and I've done you know the money we've made. I've done that. I've paid. We've been paid. And so it's you know it, it, I, I didn't want to be that person that was like yeah you know I, I'm using I'm using students for my research. That's, that's that's not who I am. So it doesn't. Yeah, it opens up a whole can of worms that. Just, this doesn't really end well. No, yeah. especially with the commercial product as well. Um, we formed a team. I mean, the team, you know, Saber Frog was the name we came up with somewhere along the line. And I thought, well, this is, you know, this is now a separate entity. This is a, you know, a, a, a company. We're not limited or anything like that. But this is a design company. So I think this is a design, uh, whatever you want to call it. And so it's like we are Saber Frog. So we're going to make some games. And, that, and that, that was it was always going to be you know uh, mutually we both do this so and mutually we, we, we would both get remunerated for that remunerated yeah, yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a weird word anyway yeah. um okay so as a studio saber frog what mm-hmm. do you believe are your biggest influences uh <laughs> the easiest one, yeah. the, the simplest thing, is what I can actually do. Ah, oh, yeah, see, honest. I'm honest. I'm there honest. There you go. I, I, can, uh, I can do this. Wait, yeah. you can't do Red Dead Redemption 2. Yeah. Put, there's a there's pause. Only, no. Yeah, there's, only, there's only me and there's only an artist, and it's like, I'm not going to sit there and gonna go, we're going to make this. We're going to make this huge thing. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. We're, a, I've got a full-time job. Um, I'm also doing an MA at the moment as well, so I'm working on that. Um, there's all these things that I'm kind of doing, and then it's like, well, the coding has to fit in somewhere, sort of thing. So I know I've only got an X amount of time for that. So there's no way I can go, yeah, we're, we're going to make something that's going to take, you know, ten years and things. Because, well, yeah, which is just not going to happen. So I keep keep it small, keep it tight, keep it simple, um, and then go from there, sort of thing. And, and like I said, sort of thing, I'm massively still learning. There's no, there's tons and tons that I don't even have a clue how to do. But I'm like, every, everything I do, every step I take, every Get, you know, I'm, I'm, when I started Shudder, there was loads of things that I didn't know how to do, and then I was like, right, how do I do this? And I learned, and I made it work because I wanted it to work in a certain way. And so, uh, my main influence is like, right, what can I think of that I, I can realistically achieve within the time frame? I'm kind of allowing myself for this. If we're talking, you know, esoteric, if we're talking like, you know, influences from other developers and things like that, um, I don't really know. Really, I think I'm, I'm I think I'm all, I'm old. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, just to be clear, this is quite a nebulous question, and I should reframe it. And because when I have other guests on, I actually build up to a point, and especially when I have an army of of team of developers. That's why I say as a studio, because whether it's just you and another, or an army of people, or like mm. ten, twelve, or 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 twenty or fifty, um, the question still remains the same: What are your influences? And it's like, what you are a creative force. This is what I'm mm. getting at. What do you believe is the thing that you that drives you, or or you find yourself orbiting, whether you like it or not? I want. It's not a particular game or any kind of series of games or something. But what I want to do is make games that people will instantly 
enjoy, be drawn to, and want to keep playing. And I know that's like what every game developer wants. I get that. Well, <laughs> actually, want... is it? I don't know. I no, I, don't... I mean, there's there's going to be some... Uh... Sorry to snap at you there. I didn't mean to. That's all right. There's some developers out there, no, they want to tell a story maybe, or they yeah, want to but... make you to feel uncomfortable. You know, there's games like that, or there's there's people who want to give you a sense of um, sporting competitive edge, like a MOBA, for example. They all, you know, it's 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 it's, it's a wonderful medium, a diverse medium now. Yeah. That to say, oh, we want to carry on, but do they? You know, um, yeah, everyone's gone to the rapture. Not really. There's a beginning, middle, and end. And, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and that raises questions. I mean, that game, that game is about raising questions. Whereas Shudder, for me, is about knowing where you're supposed to be and where you're not supposed to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I see what you're saying in that respect. I mean, I think the point, I think what I was trying to come up with sort of thing is oh, yes, that yes. You, want, you want to make a game that people want to play, whether it's a narrative experience or whether it's, you know, a Dota, a MOBA or a thing like that. You, you don't want to make something that people don't want to play, whether however the experience long lasts. What I wanted to do with Shudder and what I like doing sort of thing is making things where people... A challenged and that challenge rises it's it's you know to throw you know i teach you know theory of game sort of thing and it's trying to get people into that flow state where they're just like oh this is just building and building and building and then it's like oh there it is and there's that you know build and release build and release that's the sort of thing and that was one of the driving elements for shudder and it's what i try and sort of build into anything i'm trying to look at designing is going right how how does this grow you know, exponentially to keep challenging the player and keep them on the edge so that they're always, oh, I don't know if I can do the next bit. I'll keep going, oh, I've done that bit great. And it's, and that's, that is what I think what drives me creatively sort of thing is trying to find that, that, that ground in the middle sort of thing where, you know, where people are drawn to the game and not pushed away from it. And to be fair, I'm not sure I've hit that with Shudder because I've had a lot of people, I've had a few people played it, a lot, a few, few uh, who said, it's just too hard. I'm like, well, it's, well, it's supposed to be fairly hard, but but I don't know. I'm not sure I, I hit the sweet spot with Shudder, but I'll get there. I don't think it's too hard. I'm a, I'm terrible at video games. I mean, uh, I do like my JRPGs for that reason, because you don't have to be particularly good at video games to play those. No. Um, but I do enjoy them for the story, depending on what, providing the characters are, are good. But also like character RPGs, like, you know, Baldur's Gate and stuff like that. Again, mm. you don't necessarily have to be good at the game. You just need to know about I don't know stats and and mm. that kind of thing, and also being invested in the story. But I do my arcade games like um, Max Machinima. I'd I, I love that game on on the PS4. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, also we were talking about Geometry Wars before we start recording. <clears throat> so when I saw this, I thought, oh, that's awesome. I'm not going to be terrible at it, but I will get better. And I always do, mm. Adrian. I always always get better at them. You just keep on plugging away. And I just love the tutorial. It's very, very good in how you're saying, look, are you going to get this? You, you can have to repeat this over and over mm. until you until you get how this works because it does have some very, very unusual mechanics, which we'll, we'll delve into presently. But before we do, okay, you don't have any answer to the third question. It does get harder. I'm sorry. Just, this one's even more hard. Okay. The right grammar, which it isn't. But anyway, <laughs> is this... Um, what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? It can be a person or a studio. Um, I mean, I think 
a developer in my heart of hearts, and it's probably you know a bit of a cliche sort of thing, but I'm a, I'm a huge Metal Gear fan, always have been, um, and so the things I keep saying to my students, the things that Kojima has gotten away with, always astound me because we're never going to see the like of that again. They're never going to you're never going to see the like of what he's managed to actually accomplish to such a scale in the industry ever again over that period of 20 years from the Metal Gear Solid games, wherever it's been. Um, not carrying the sort of you know the NES and the, the, the MSX version, the games and things like that, but they're just the the scale and the scope of the story he's tried to tell and, and get away with it. <laughs> I just admire him for that. That does that. Um, I admire um, uh, what's the developers called? I'm trying to think. Um, I like what Campo Santo are doing um, with Firewatch. I'm really looking forward to uh, in the Valley of God. Um, I like the way that they they. They're just so well polished, and they just know how to sort of hook you in, and you know, with a narrative and, and that. I like that sort of thing. So it's not all arcadey with me sort of thing. I do like a good narrative, and obviously with Metal Gear, whether you consider it good or not, I don't know. Um, and I'm a huge, huge um, fan of. Uh, this came late, I have to say, but I'm a huge fan of Nintendo. And I know these are cl- you know classic big scale things, but Nintendo's level of polish and simplicity and ability to draw the player in. It never fails to amaze me. Um, and I, I, you know, we just had the reveal of the new Link's Awakening, um, and I saw that the other night, and it's just, it just, they, they, they just gobsmack me every time, um, just all the, all the time. You know, everyone said, you know, a multiplayer shooter with with paint. And it's like, oh yeah, but we've got we've got we've got Splatoon, and Splatoon is incredible. So that's you know, that's where my I, I admire those kind of things, and they're on a kind of big scale. On a smaller scale. Um, I can't remember his name, but um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, Downwell. Oh, I love that game. Um, which I can't, I can't remember the guy's name. It's a Japanese guy, isn't it? I've lost his name. Um, but that's an amazing piece of design. I, I first played that, I was like, I was just gobsmacked. I was like, this is, this is so good. Um, um, so, yeah. Yeah. All good, good answers and good. Uh, it's. it's um... I think your thing on Nintendo is that you just suffer from the similar British malaise of, oh, wait, so NES games were really good. Yes! Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I never had... When you, well, we, we didn't, spoke, did we? No. We spoke about Chrono Trigger sort of thing, and I was I was a Commodore 64 and Amiga boy. We, well, uh, yes, me and too. So, and so yeah, I'm... You know, yeah, we just, we just didn't. It's, you know, if you're looking at old developers that I admire, it's people like Andrew Braybrook and and, yeah. and people like that, and um, uh, Stavros Vasoulos, um, and, and people in that era, sort of thing. But I don't know. That, that's the, they're the people I look at and go, oh, those games are so good. Yeah, uh, and also those those really early Lucasfilm games as well. Oh, um, yeah. The Eidolon, Chronos Rift, Ballblazer. Oh, I streamed Eidolon. That's that's a strange game. It's good. It's astonishing game. This, um, yeah, really way ahead of its time. Very. It, Worked best on the Atari. I know, I know. Odd to say, uh, yeah, but, uh, it did, yeah. It was, um, and Rescue on Fractalus. That was good. Yeah. That's, um, uh, the, yeah. The, the Eidolons one I still show my students. Yeah, it's important, that game. There's stuff in it that you don't, you can't understand it until you have to, there's no tutorial of any kind. It's like, this is all the things you need to know. It's back in the day when you had to read the manual to get the most out of that game. You really, <laughs> yeah. really did. Uh, same with Rescue and Fractalus, you had to read the manual. Ballblazer, yeah. that's another one. Had to yeah. had to read the manual. Once you did that, it's a corker of a game. Yeah, Ballblazer. 
I was I was terrible at it, but yeah, yeah. When the upper levels when it's like got really really unfair. Like, yeah. How did you know that? How did you? Well, that's the ah. Oh. But excellent, excellent game again. These are all really good on Atari 8-bit machines, what I'm describing to you. Lucasfilm really knew the Atari 8-bits. Amazing. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting off topic and retro computing, but it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Um, but no, well, I just find it galling the how amazing uh, the NES was, but we British didn't know about it because it was came out too late, too expensive, and it was too slow. Yeah. So, you know, and that's that's a, my, my, my retort. It was always... Sorry, that thing is too late, too expensive, and too slow. And by the time it arrived, the Mega Drive had appeared. So, yeah. you know, what's yeah. the point? I, I had one friend with a Master System, yeah. and he was, you know, was like, what is this? What is that? Yeah, I had a Master System. I was one of those. Yeah, I, I did, because I was had an ST and a Master System. And Master System was all right, but it just had Choplifter and a really, bad, really, really bad version of OutRun. <laughs> yeah. I was just so disappointed with OutRun. I thought it was going to be good. We didn't get an arcade version until the Saturn. No, none of, none of the eight-bit versions of Outrun were. The, the, the 16-bit version was bad as well on the on the yeah. Mega Drive. Well, I had to wait until the Saturn, fucking Saturn, before we get <laughs> before we got a home version. And now it's on the Switch, of course. It's brilliant, by the way. It's only six mm-hmm. quid. Anyway, speaking of playing stuff, mm-hmm. see, segue. There you go. Um, Last question of the first half. See, well done. You made it. Cool. Well done, Adrian. What are you playing right now? Uh, what am I playing? Resident Evil Two. Ah, oh, the new one. Yeah, the new one. Um, that's the that's the, I'm a. Uh, I don't mention them sort of thing because I know what they are sort of thing. But Resident Evil games have always been a. I'm not going to say guilty pleasure because they're amazing. Uh, well, the mainline games are sort of thing. I'm even a bit of an apologist. Well, apart from I'm six. even an apologist for number six. Oh. Six, six to me is like the one of the best 15 hour games trapped in a 40 hour body. Oh, I, I see. Uh, yeah, because. It's featured in Kane and Rince, uh late last year, I think. Okay. Uh, Kane & Rince is our sister podcast. Uh, this yeah. is, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, they, they, they weren't kind, I'm going to say. They weren't I'm not, kind. Well, there's a lot to not like in it. There's 25 hours not to like, right. but there's 15 hours to like. You get to fight a dinosaur called Derek. That's, did he have a hat on? Uh, no, no. Uh, well, 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 Ada Wong is flying around, I think, if I remember rightly, in a helicopter shooting rockets at it. Uh, what's not to like? No hat. <laughs> no hat. Yeah. It is good. I mean, yeah, Resident Evil Five is probably the one I, I'm most favourite. But I, I, there was a lot I didn't like in six. But obviously, four is amazing. Seven's great. The new new one's brilliant. Uh, yeah, so PSVR is is fantastic. But anyway, yes, your two. Then tell us a little bit about why is it so good. What well, two? Mm. Um, well, at the moment, I mean. I remember getting to the, the original version was, um, uh, you know, gr- groundbreaking. I, I finished that and I was at the time uh, not working. So I had a, but I managed to find money to get that and managed to finish that in like two days. I was very disappointed. And then I realized, oh, hang on a minute. All I've done is finish Leon A. And then there was Leon Clear A and then Clear B and all that kind of thing. And it just blew my mind the way that they wrapped those narratives into each other. And and, and that was something I'd never experienced before, the way that you know, the way that they did that at the time. Because, you know, I played narrative video games. And I think I played through Final Fantasy VII at the time and things like that. But the way Resident Evil did it, this big action game and huge production values and shooting zombies and stuff, you know, to a you know, mid-20s in the 1980s, I was, I was enthralled. It was like nothing I'd ever seen. So yeah. the new the new one is just I don't know how they've done it I don't know where they've come from it's like you know it's like Capcom have you know drank some amazing juice 
because it's it's come you know i don't know it's just incredible sometimes it, they pull it out of the bag my friend sometimes not always yeah. Well, I mean, they're, they're on a they're on a bit of a I mean something of a roll at the moment. I mean, I've, I've not played it, but I've heard good things about Monster Hunter World. Oh, Resident it's Evil good. 7. Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil Seven was great. Yeah, um, and things like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a fighting game fan sort of thing, but I'm yeah. I'm hearing good things about Street Fighter Five that it's yeah. been brought. They, they fixed it now, but yeah. did, did they do Ace Combat? Did no, it's Namco. Namco. Sorry, apologies. People just turn off the podcast now. Yeah, (laughs) I like the Ace Combat combat games because they are so dumb and they have made up countries. So, yes, they do. I think the only Ace Combat ones I played was six on the 360. I think. Yeah, I have all of them, apart from the latest one, because I'm I'm one of those people now. Is like, oh yeah, value depreciation. That would be out again about half price because I'm not spending sixty quid on that. No, no. No, yeah, I'm no. just going to wait, like everyone else does, unless it's a Nintendo game, which never depreciates in value. Yeah, you, you have to you, you pay for quality. Yeah, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah. Still, same price it came out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why? Because it's a work of genius. Yes, it is. I, I don't know. When I when that is on the TV, I look at it and I go, how is that coming out of that? Yeah, yeah. it's, it's wizards. There are wizards yeah. involved. Yeah. They deny it. They deny it. But yeah. there's, there's wizards. There's yeah, there's, there's some sacrifices going on somewhere. Yeah, there is. There is definitely pentagrams and um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, horrible other things. But, uh, <laughs> anything else apart from Resident Evil Two? Um, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying um, to. What's it? What's? Uh, I'm, I'm slowly, slowly getting into Celeste. Uh huh. On what platform? Uh, Switch. Okay. On the Switch, I play a, a lot of things on the Switch. I get a lot of the indie stuff on the Switch because it's just I can take it to work and play it at lunch. Um, Dead Cells. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. I quite get it. I'm. I can get to the roguelites are like that. It's okay. Sorry. I know. I, I can get to the what's his name? The guy on the bridge every time. Uh-huh. The concierge is it? Yeah. And uh, he just kills me. I've killed him once and went yay, and then died immediately after. I was like, oh. And I'm not quite sure if I know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's, it's good. I do like it. It's snappy. It's fast. And the thing about I don't know if I'm doing it right. And that, that frustrates me in a sense of like, I don't know, because it's, you know, 20, 20, 30 minutes of run sometimes. Yeah, I don't know if I'm doing what, well, you know. So, but I do I do kind of like it, I think. Uh, so, yeah, so Celeste, uh, Dead Cells, Resident Evil 2. Um, I did foolishly try and start Red, uh, Red Dead 2. Um, yeah, considering how much you've got on your plate, not a good idea. <laughs> no, I was like, okay, I'll get that. I'll get um, that. Okay, this is all micromanagement. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah. I'm going to put this down then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I did what I do with all uh, um, uh, sort of Rockstar games, which is get through the tutorial section, get the open world open, and just ride off or drive off as far as I can. Oh, and then, right. That's what I always do with them, and then I just never really return to the story, and I don't know what's going on. Sort of thing, so that's generally what I do. I just like, I think I just like them, sort of thing, as works of technical you know, excellence, because they're just astonishing to just you know wander through those worlds. You know, as much as the mission structure and things in Rockstar games leaves a lot to be desired at times, the actual worlds themselves are quite quite astonishing. Yeah. And I appreciate them sort of thing. They're more to me. They're almost they're, they're almost quintessential walking simulators to me. Is how I play them. Steady, but yeah, I get your point. Yeah. Right. Well, that's it for the first half. Okay. Let's move on to the second half where we delve deep. Shut up.
first question, which is known as the zeroth question. For regular listeners, take that drink. Well done. It is. What is Shudder? Okay, Shudder... Um, do you want the blurb? The blurb was a twin-stick first... shooter. It's a twin-stick shooter with one stick and no shooting. Yes. It's almost meta for yeah. that reason. Um, it was how I was describing it to people for a while. Uh-huh. And, then, and then when I came to actually write the blurb yes like this i can't i couldn't get anything else out of my head i it's couldn't weird. get anything into my head it was like this i have to just write that uh, and then go from there um it is essentially it's a you know it's a high score chasing game it looks like a twin stick shooter it and at the start you think it's going to be one but it's not it's more in the shape it's more you know more falls in line to sort of um freeform pac-man uh, yes take that kind of thing and it, it's all about it's all, it's all about the, you know, like I said earlier on, that risk reward of building up your power to release to release it and then reap the rewards of how long you manage to hold on to that power and build it up. So and it's on a 2D plane, everyone. And uh, yeah, should I have described it? <laughs> yes, yeah. So a 2D <laughs> okay. plane, and you're flying this little craft around uh, with a joystick, and uh, you pick up these little pellets of various colours, and uh, the more pellets you pick up, the more you actually then get to a point where you can trigger a power and when you trigger that power you actually create an explosion and when you do that all everything all the creatures that are the same color as that pellet uh freeze and you can gobble them up and uh destroy them until yes. then they can kill you yes but it, it kind of you know obviously we were influenced by geometry wars visually i'm not going to deny this it was it influenced it, it so imagine geometry wars meets pac-man Yes, getting that power pill. Yes, that's and... all. That was one of the things. So, and the, the one of the original design tenets of it. Um, well, I don't know if you want to go into this issue yet, but that, there, there you go. Geometry Wars meets Pac-Man. Um, uh, I, I just I do think there's every every extended extra in there as well. But I've, I've heard I've heard that, and <laughs> I, I take that as a great compliment because people love that game. So, so I'm like, oh, okay, great. That's, yeah, it, it's not. I don't take it as thingy, but I literally have never played it. I know. It's one of those, um, yeah, you know, Meteos. Yes, we've already established you haven't played Chrono Trigger or Ericsson Extra. <laughs> I know, I and know. It's like, really. Do I, do I, hand, do I have to hand my Yeah, you, you might in? have to, yeah, they might have to hand your chits in. And, and you want your badge and your gun, it's, you're done. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I'm being silly because I envy you now because you now going to experience them. You know, you haven't experienced them yet. And there's a reason why people make reference to them a lot yeah uh, I, I, they, I, they are important games like res people reference res, res. because oh, it's important that game it is important. um so we've established you know the, the mechanics of the game and uh the kind of risk reward there's other things that happen mm-hmm. but i'm gonna have to ask this question you've made a twin stick shooter without the shooting why <laughs> Why? Okay. Well, this is what I was going to say just a moment ago. Sort of thing. One of the tenant, the original tenants I had for the design of the game was that um, I was I was talking with a, with a friend at work, um, and we were sort of bouncing ideas. And I said, "What if you made a twin stick shooter with no shooting? What would that be?" And that idea kind of stuck. Um, and, it, and this was a while back, way before I started developing it, and it kind of stuck. And I thought, "What would it be?" And then I I wanted to make something retro themed or retro styled. But then that led me to think, well, if I want to make something retro-styled, I want to make something that's one stick, one button, like an old joystick. Um, but I had this, so I had that in my head, 
and then I had this twin stick shooter with no shooting and those kind of things just came together and so I, I built a small prototype of you just flying around and and, and, and these things coming after you uh, you know they were just blocks at the time it was just it was basic unity you know placeholder things and you were flying around and I, and I was like well what do you do how do you attack them what's the button for and then I thought well what if you triggered something a wave that would then disable them and allow you to to kill them and and that then that was where it all came from so it was it, it, it i wanted to sort of roll it back to before you had two sticks so you couldn't do it you couldn't do twin stick shooting but i still wanted to keep somewhere in the design that sort of um that 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 look and the ethos of it, it was kind of a, a twin stick arena shooter like geometry was so that's why that's fantastic because you're right the twin sticks i know you and i have been you know playing games for a while it's not a, it's a relatively recent invention. I know many people say twenty years ago is still a long time ago, but it's a thing, isn't it? It's like it's, yeah, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you've got to say, in, in, and to me, you know, it, uh, and whether there's been great ones since and after, and there have, and there's been some really good ones sort of thing. It just peaked with Geometry Wars, and so, and I know I've referenced that sort of thing, but when when that hit, and I think I think it peaked because that hit at such a such a perfect time, launch of the 360. And everyone was raving about it, and you know, because you'd, you'd had the, the the first one on the original Xbox, uh, hidden in uh, Project Gotham Racing. Yes. Um, and then they the new one, everyone was just like, "Oh my God, this is amazing!" And it was, and uh, and I think that it's one of those kind of games where it's like, "Yeah, here you go. This is how it's done." <laughs> and so there's no point trying to reinvent that. No. Right. And so I was like, "I'm going to take inspiration from that. Great, but I'm not going to remake that." Correct. Because there's no point. There is no point. Okay, um, you've established that, and it's it's a ingenious system. Like you know, just just move the damn machine. You, there's other ways of killing this thing. Yeah. You do have you do have a fire button, and when you hit that fire button, things happen. Mm-hmm. But I just want to know how have you found keeping notice of to the player that they now have the ability to freeze bugs of a certain color within the player field of view. <laughs> So that the bar that grows at the top. Yeah, how have you yeah. found that? Where have you, where have you been messing with that? Because I think, personally, I think that would have been quite a struggle to achieve. Um, there was a couple of things that went with that sort of thing. There was originally, because um, originally, obviously, before the colours worked in and everything like that, I was that was all it was all up in the air. And then, and then yeah, when, once I started to figure out, oh, I, I wanted to, I, I thought I'll make it, I'll incorporate color in and then I can incorporate these different levels. I need to, do, I need to communicate this to the player. So I tried a few things uh, like a, you know, bars on the left, on the right, something that would change something that maybe change these colors, but I wanted to fix these colors and have them sort of universal sort of through all the enemies, through your power, through the pellets, through everything. So I wanted eight colors and I went through various, um, iterations of these colors i just chucked them in at random at first and was like oh that don't don't feel right until i eventually just hit and i thought hang on a minute there's a rainbow um and i thought well if i'd use a rainbow everyone knows what a rainbow is and people know the colors of the rainbow so i'll just color them after the rainbow and then once i figured that once i'd hit on that idea something sort of i was like oh that makes me makes my life so much simpler because now it's just you know uh, red orange yellow green blue indigo violet white because once the, the head one comes out, it's the all colours mixed together make white. And I was like, they're great. That's awesome. Um, and I thought to myself, right, I need to communicate this. So, And then I thought, well, 
the easiest place to put this, just put it at the top. I've played around with this sort of thing, and it should put it at the top. Make sure it's on screen at all time. And then eventually, the, the, then I just got, you know, Josh did a design for the, the hexagons, the sort of bar itself. And then that cemented it. Once I got that design off him, it was like, that looks great. I'm really happy with that. And I just basically put it in and then just just, just grew it from the center. And it kind of came pretty naturally once I'd got that design and once we'd got that in there and then just coloring them. The only thing that changed um, through the development was the first time, when I first did it, when you moved up a level, um, it instantly showed the next level. So there was no, um, it was like, it didn't actually show the next one, sorry, until you'd got all the pellets, all the sort of food or the energy to actually make sure that you could shudder them all because it, it goes up you know, uh, exponentially. So 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, 1, 2, 8, 2, 5, 6. So you need 256 to get, to get, all the, to get the white one open. And until you got 16, it didn't even appear. So the only thing that changed was I started to then grow it slowly so you were getting some visual feedback that you were heading towards the next level. That was really the the major change and sort of thing. And when people when I put that in, people noticed that. I went, oh, I can see I'm moving. That there's getting these pellets is actually there's something appearing. So they kind of got that. Okay. That was it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's that's what this this these questions are designed in this way to draw all this stuff out of you. I suspect <laughs> that was the case how it evolved. I just want to know how it happened. Speaking of asking you how things happened. What's the deal with the blocks? Because what we haven't <laughs> described everyone is that the screen happens and it happens. On the screen, you have the your ship in the middle, typically starts off and then flies around the screen. And then um, bugs start appearing. You eat the pellets and you kill the bugs. Then these static bo- um Well, they're typically static. These boxes appear. The vortex cubes. The vortex cubes. <laughs> and tell, tell us about those. First, first of all, Tell us how they work, how you understand it, and okay. how do they come about? So, um, <clears throat> so, okay, so the way the vortex cubes work is they're essentially, uh, they, are the, they are the ability, they are your power-ups. Not power, sorry, not power-ups, they are your, they are your gateway to currency in the game. So they contain, um, you know, let's say in, in the law of the game, <laughs> and I'm, that's very much in inverted commas, um, they contain the cosmic energy that when you feed power bugs into them, the bugs, when you feed that into them, it makes all the heads, it's got to be the head. So when the head hits them, the, 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 the cubes power up, and then they get more and more until they reach a certain point, and then they move up to the next level following the same colors scheme as everything else. So they go through that rainbow series of colors. Um, when you shudder, when you detonate your shudder bar at the same color as the blocks, how many heads you have fed into them at, in, in that color is how much currency spews out. So if you fed 10 or say eight blocks, eight, eight into it and it's turned in its orange, if you shudder it when you've got the orange shudder strength, eight currency pieces come out that are orange so then that allows you um to then hoover them up and that currency um is used to buy new and better ships because there's 32 in the game you start off with one and there's another 31 to get hold of um that allow you to get your multipliers up quicker because that's the other thing we discussed so the reason they came about um was (sighs) When we were designing it, um, we had the basic premise working. We had the main ship. 
and we were going around and it was like it was it it became a, a, a bit dull if i'm honest um just running away there didn't seem to be much going on there was no he's chasing a high score and you should have run in that and it, it was just getting a bit it needed it was clear it needed something else um when we were playing it and testing it and so i hit on the idea of like well the two things came along at once um there was the idea of uh, player progression so it was like we've got one ship we should have more ships and so once we realized we wanted more ships it was like well how do you get more ships okay well you need to have some kind of currency okay well how are we going to put currency into the game because there's nothing to shoot and things don't explode do you just you just destroy them okay so we need something that gives us currency okay well how about and i just i, I said well, well how about a cube just something that's a block that looks sign and that we feed bugs and that's how it was it was kind of that that series of questions led led to the answer um and then just it we just it just iterated on getting these blocks in and then feeding them in and then once once josh josh went away and designed a load more ships we sort of structured them and said right at first we only had eight so we did eight and then i said can you do like four of each so we've got four different colors and then we can power them up to different levels and we can lay them out and you can get different orbs and and and, and all that sort of thing and then that led to that moment of like you've now got the game is now about two separate things it's about getting a high score and it's also about collecting currency and you can play it in two different ways you can chase currency or you can chase score but to get the high scores, you're going to have to chase the currency. And that kind of almost changed the way people started playing the game. I was watching people play it, and they were starting to realize, oh, I need, I want a better ship. I want a better ship. I've got to feed them into this. Oh, I want to feed them into this one. And, and it, that loop changed. And that's when it became something a bit more, a bit more than what just a basic Pac-Man dodge around. Well, you could have gone for loot boxes, so thanks for doing the other thing <laughs> instead. Yeah, I could have done. If you're EA, you would have just been like, loot yeah. boxes everywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, when it when it, the game first released, um, it was just a basic mode. Right. So it just had the normal mode. Since then, I've put in survival mode and time attack mode and things. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, last question. Okay. Twin stick shooters are about where the player is and where they are about to be moments later. And that's it. It's <laughs> very important. The player, the key is not where you're shooting or what you're shooting at. It's where you are and where you're going. How do you believe Shudder exploits this? Um, there's, a, there's a couple of ways. There's, there's also the, the third element that we, we haven't discussed, which is the, uh, the energy, what are they called? Energy vortexes? The circles, okay. the spinning circles. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, beyond, when you get the, beyond the cues, because everything's score-related in the game. It's quite, it's quite a simple design. Um, you get, there's, there's, there's basic tenets of the game sort of thing. So every three heads you consume... Uh, you get speed up, so you get faster. I think it's every 10 bugs you consume, you get energy up, and it's like that. So, so everything's tied together. Every, I think it, depending on your multiplier, it's every 3,000 points you get a cube, and then that exponentially goes up, so it's 6,000, 12,000 sort of thing, and then resets when you die. But then beyond the cubes, there's these things called the energy vortexes, and, and, you know, um, and they are basically uh, floating smart bombs. Um, and so they're just circles that just meander around, okay? And again, what they do is they, they form two purposes. They suck in the energy that you have to collect to, you know, get your shudder bar up. So they're, they're you know, they're, they become 
pains in the ass because they're, they're hoovering up your power-ups. Um, but you want them to hoover up your power-ups because the more that they go through the color cycle again, the bigger the boom when you detonate them. So they're great for leading loads of bugs. When you high score chasing, they're the key to the high score chasing right. because you get right. lots and lots of bugs around them. You should have the right color and you take them all out and your score just rockets. So um, they, that was that was the part of the game sort of thing where it was like, okay, I need to I need to be in a certain place depending on the style of game I'm trying to play. So either I'm trying to leave bugs around into these into these into the cubes. So I need to know where the cubes are and I need to because the bugs just follow you and then they'll come after you and they're they're relentless. They don't do anything else. They're just after you. So you need to know where you can position yourself to either feed them into uh, feed them into the cubes or get them near these you know energy vortexes and detonate them. But in amongst all that as well, you're still the, the the way the energy cubes pop up around the, the board or to get the, the, the level um, is completely random. So I did that on purpose because I never wanted it to be predictable as to where you were going to have to go next. Um, and that was leading the player sort of thing. It was giving them a, right, I kind of know what I've got to do, but oh, the, all the things are over there. So I'm, I've got to sort of figure out a way around all these things that are on the board at any one time sort of thing depending on the where you are in the stage of the game and that was that was the sorry pardon me that was the plan that was how that was how it was meant to work and i think it, it it's successful when you watch you know i've watched some really good players playing it and it does do that sort of thing and they start managing they start managing the bugs it's almost like um you know people go for that you know, secret achievement sort of thing and they're, they're just leading the bugs around that was one thing i noticed that you could just get the bugs and they'd run out they stopped spawning at some point and you could just get going around and hoovering up the pellets so i stopped that by um well that will stop eventually because the points will accumulate and the, the cubes will appear and then the bugs will go into the cubes and then more will appear um but i also stopped that but as soon as you get to a point where there's over 100 on the screen at any point energy vortexes just appear and, and they're there to you know knock stop you doing that so people are almost herding them like sheepdogs just huh. leading them around um so i kind of had to sort of remedy that with a bit of you know something that felt a bit fairer but um it's interesting watching people play about knowing trying to sort of herd these huge you know when you get a massive pile of the bugs on screen at once and just herding them around um it was interesting to watch but i, I didn't want it all to play like that i thought yeah it's, it's a legitimate way of playing but it's a very slow way of playing because you want you want points it's it is it's hard it's you know it's a, it's a high score shooter i saw a high score chaser yeah but it has depth it really yeah. does there's there's tactics there it's uh and uh you've done you've done well you really have i don't please don't think i'm being patronizing there it's just from a very basic and uh, easy, uh, um, sort of straightforward idea, you've built something quite exceptional, and you've you've realised that games or any medium or any creative endeavour has its own momentum to it. Yes, and it starts going off, and like I didn't expect it to go there. I know, isn't it great? Yeah, or not as the case may be, because sometimes well, you go to a place like I don't like that. Like, okay. I think the hardest the hardest thing in designing it was getting the speed of the bugs right. Right. It was just getting that balance where they weren't too fast and they weren't too slow, yeah. because they, they do get faster as they get longer. Just incrementally, they get slightly faster, which means you need to be powering up to get the speed ups. Yeah. yeah. So it's that again. It's that that edge of I didn't want to punish the player, but I want the player to be advancing. I just don't want them to be stuck in that 
because if you do just stick trying to herd them, they'll get too fast for you, mm. and you won't, you won't be able to outrun them. And that, but that sh you, know, you should be the name of the game is to should and consume the bug. So it did work. It kind of worked, um, but that was that was a balancing act. That was something I had to get right. I think I got it right. Just people seem to enjoy it. Well, <laughs> you're here talking about it, so I think you must have done. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shudder is indeed the name of the game. It is out uh, by Saving Frog. Uh, it's out now on Windows PC, and you can yeah. get it. And it uh, it's an excellent, excellent game. And uh, I have to thank you for making such an extraordinary experience. It's just so much fun, so simple, so pure, and yet so challenging and not too punishing and it does reward those who persevere with it and you get a lot out of it so thank you no thanks that's that's very nice to for you to say that's 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 uh yeah that's cool i just wanted to make a good game <laughs> and you have so thank you that's um right. agent it's been fantastic having you on yeah it's been great it's been really enjoyable thank you very much yeah thanks. more than welcome to come back on and tell about whatever future endeavor you've made i don't know what that will be or when that will be but uh no, we all we like if we always have return guests and okay. uh, yeah, it's been it's been great. Thank you. Well, and our next one is in development. We'll put it. I'll just say that it's it's early early days. There's a, oh, right, a couple, okay. put a couple of videos out sort of thing. It's it's very different. Um, it's it's something else. But... It's a battle royale, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it's a shudder battle royale actually. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Any amount of time. It's a hundred shudders. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a very small space. Yes. We're all trying to get the pellets. Last one, last one not shuddered. With dances and loot boxes. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yep, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> Again, thank you very much, Aidan. No worries, thank you. It's been great. Cheers, Chris.